Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Power Within Podcast. I'm your host, Lori. Today, I'm super excited to have my friend Scott Bishop on the show. Um, Scott and I knew each other years and years ago. We used to work together at Home Depot, and I had not seen him in a very long time. And then when all the stuff happened in the world, I saw Scott on, I didn't know it was Scott at the time, but I saw him um, protesting outside with all the COVID vaccine mandates and things, and he was standing out with an American flag. And so I was like, I, I want to I, I wanna go join that. I want to I do that. And so I pulled my car over and I went up there with them and I saw Scott and we started talking and it was a great conversation. You know, um, we'll talk about that a little bit in the podcast, as you'll hear. Scott is incredibly intelligent and kind and funny and he is so passionate about the constitution and politics and you know our rights and freedoms and it's such an honor for me to have him on I actually even learned a couple new things while we've been uh, talking um, with this podcast and I'm so grateful that he came on and would allow me to share our conversation with all of you guys I hope that you guys enjoy it as much as I did uh, recording this, and I hope that you guys learn something new and get out there and really, you know, get off the computers and and get out and and get active in your communities and into the politics and make a change because that's where things are going to stick for us and that's where we make the real change out in the real world. So, without further ado, here we go. Hey, Scott, thanks so much for coming on. I'm super excited to have you on the show today. Thank you, Lori. I'm super excited to be here. Um, so you and I go way back. We knew each other quite a, quite a few years ago, and yeah. we did not see each other for a long time. And I was driving by during all the, the COVID stuff, and I would see yes. every weekend on in the town square there would be people out there with signs about COVID stuff and the, your, the American flags. And I was always like, oh, I want to drive by, you know, I want to, I want to go in with that one day. So I did pull over one day and yeah. I went and um, talked to you guys. So I want to ask, why was that so important for you to do? What inspired you to do that? And what was the, because it can be a lot of negative feedback for it. What was yeah. what was the most challenging part of doing that for you? Uh, as far as the challenge part, I think it was really is enduring uh, the the cold weather, the temperatures. As you know, I think you were out there on a really cold day, um, maybe just after the first of the year. Uh, me and a group of friends. I mean, we obviously had been paying attention to the politics, and when COVID hit, you know, there are a lot of people skeptical skeptical about the severity of everything, and. We just felt that there was a lot of overreach with the government in mandating what people do and you know don't do with their bodies. So we felt it important to find a way to peacefully protest and let everybody know our stance. And we thought that the location in Nashville was a great visible spot. And I won't lie, we did get a lot of negative feedback, a lot of cussing thrown at us, a lot of middle fingers, and you know, it was uh, that wasn't the tough part. It was just you know, and during the cold weather, being there with friends and doing what we felt was right. And so you were talking about how you'd get like the, the middle fingers and stuff for that. Now, when you guys were out there though, and I remember it because I remember some people hollering out the window, 
You never yeah. return that hostility to people. And why was yeah. that important for you to make sure that you return positive energy versus returning back the negative? Uh, I think that one of the things we were there to do is, you know, try to educate people about um, how the government's designed to work. Uh, you know, there are a lot of differing opinions on how things should and shouldn't be. And I think that uh, one of the things that a lot of people lose sight of is the, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. And that's, I mean, our, our group on Facebook was uh, Constitutional Freedoms. And uh, I just, we wanted to make sure that everybody understood that, you know, the, the government doesn't have as much power as they'd like to think. And it's only by compliance and people doing what they're told um, is where the government derives their power. And we we didn't agree with the fact that the government was mandating that everybody get this jab. And then employers started to follow suit and people were not given choice. I think that that's one of the most comical things um, I hear in that argument is that, um, you know, you hear right now the abortion issue. Uh, my body, my choice. Well, that same energy has to be carried across every single instance. And, you know, still the data was unrolling and we knew that COVID really wasn't as serious as everybody was pushing. And, you know, I, I don't understand why there are so many employers and so many state entities just willingly destroying people's lives. But anybody who gave us negative energy, we just we felt that they had a difference of opinion and they didn't understand our perspective. And, you know, only certain people like yourself stopped and engaged and asked questions. We had many people stop and ask us why and they thought that we were wrong and we shouldn't be out there. But, you know, in those one on one engagements, it was always respectful. But, you know, some people just, uh, you know, they get angry if you oppose them, if you don't see eye to eye with them. Yeah. And another thing that I've noticed as well is that. Um, you know, when people would speak out, and I don't know if you experienced this online, but I know other people would, but there was this kind of push to like silence, silence anyone who would challenge the science or to challenge the vaccine or any of that yes. stuff. Did you ha experience any of that as well? All, all the time. I, I could not tell you how many times we had gotten uh, a scream at through a window or out of a window telling us to F off and that we were going to get people killed and you know, again, you know, if you were being objective to the facts, that evidence just wasn't there for me. And I, you know, I've known people who had COVID. I know people that got kind of sick. I knew people that had barely any symptoms. And it was, you know, just questioning the consistency of the science being delivered. You know, you think about, uh, you know, Dr. Fauci and how it all started with the cruise ship. You know, that's really where it started. Uh, it lives on surfaces for 24 hours. It doesn't live on surfaces. 12 hours max. It dies in the cold. Ultraviolet light. Masks don't really work. Masks do work. Double mask. This and that. And I'm just like, what are we doing? This guy is supposed to be the most forefront or forementioned uh, expert on all of this. And it just, he's changing his, his message like people change their underwear. And it was extremely frustrating to me how more people didn't question it. You know, it's like, I don't understand why people aren't questioning all of the things that are being told because what's happening now was different than what was supposed to be happening yesterday. Super frustrating. Yeah, and, and a lot of, I would see a lot of things like um, as they were coming out and things were changing and, you know, this was going here and they were pushing, you know, the limits just up a little bit more that a lot of people would be like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. And, and so 
what's funny though, as you're seeing things come out now, all those things that people were being called, called conspiracy theorists for, oh look, hold on, that's coming true and that's coming out, but now we've pushed the envelope on that and the science backs it. Yeah, yeah, one of the things, it's uh, very interesting that you uh, note that because I think that the people that were quote-unquote anti-vaxxers or conspiracy theorists and stuff, I think they always held true to their values. And the people that maybe know now they're a little educated, you know, versus what they were, I don't think that those people are going to acknowledge that they were duped because, you know, it's a very difficult thing for people to acknowledge that they've been fooled, you know? So they'll dismiss it somehow. They won't they won't acknowledge the fact that they could have questioned it and they didn't because they wanted to believe and that's okay, but when you get an inconsistent message from experts who are supposed to know, it's got to make you think. You know, what is the message here and why is the big push, you know? Yeah. And, and why can't anyone challenge that? You know, that's the most important well, thing. And I mean, I that was what got me. Absolutely. And I, I mean, that was the whole point of it is, you know, you go back to the revolution and I, I, I you know, I appreciate the Constitution. I revere it. I think that, uh, you know, the founding fathers knew exactly what they were doing when they wrote it. Um, there's not many questions left to be interpreted. It's pretty clear cut when you go through each of the amendments in the Bill of Rights. And uh, I think it gets dissolved or diluted or, you know, people don't understand or appreciate how much authority they're really supposed to have versus the government entities, you know, the quote unquote people in power. When in reality, the people that are in office are elected public servants. So, I mean, it drives me crazy and everybody should push back on their government. Whether they agree with the position of another side or not, that's the thing that gets me is, I'll go back to the, the pro-choice thing. You have to have that same energy. I mean, I personally am an advocate of pro-choice. Mm -hmm. I believe a woman should have the right to choose to have an abortion. I can only imagine what that is psychologically and emotionally for somebody. Um, I don't disagree with limits. I don't think that, you know, 30, 35 weeks is a good thing unless it's absolutely medically necessary. But again, regardless of that argument, that energy has to be brought across all the way. And it's, it has to remain consistent because I, I believe that as soon as you allowed people in power to erode a right, Second Amendment, abortion right, anything like that, it's only a matter of time before they come for more. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if, if yes. you have a, a, a country of people and you allow the government to strip away your second amendment, right? It's only a matter of time because they, you know, before they come for the other ones, because ideally that's the one protecting all of the others. And I've always said to everybody for a long time, look, you don't have to love them all. You don't have to like them all. You have to appreciate them all because they carry all the same weight. And again, the more you let the government trample on those rights without a little pushback, the just the more and more they're going to take, you know? Yeah, and the way that I've seen it too is that, you know, um, and this was talked about in a, um, there was an interview, I can't remember who it was, but it was on Joe Rogan's, and the guy wrote a book and he talked about this and he said, your government is going to push and push until it gets pushed back, then it's going to stop. And then once it, once it calms down, it's going to push further. And by the time that you realize, 
what has happened, you've already given up those rights and you're not getting them back now. And it, it won't be, it won't, odds really are, resonated yeah. With me because. Yeah. Odds are it yeah. won't be in our lifetime. It, it will be our grandchildren or our great grandchildren that will look back and say, can you believe at one point in time they used to be able to do this or do that? And that's the sad thing is that people today don't understand the decisions they make and how it affects tomorrow. And that argument could be said all the way across. But again, for me personally, it's the Constitution. It's that Bill of Rights. It's got to be all the way across the board, same energy on every talking point. And if you can't do that, then you really don't understand why your government exists and why the country exists and why it was founded. I, I mean, really think that the founders did yep. a profound and, and job. It's setting up what it was all supposed to be about. Yeah. And see, like, you're really passionate about politics. And um, see, I never used to be. And then once I started digging into things, I'm like, wait, this is all really important. So where did your passion for politics come for, from? Uh, so, you know, I had, uh, I, I mean, I always enjoyed U.S. history when I was in high school. And I had some friends that were actually older than me. Um, really kind of helped open my eyes and didn't tell me how to think, but just kind of pushed me, kind of like what you said, to research and read and interpret and understand. And, you know, you dig through the history books a little bit more when you're not forced to do it and it starts to intrigue you. And I think that that's one of the things. And now I'm everything I look at and think about in regards to politics or a politician all comes from a point of whether it's constitutional or not. Um, and, and, you know, I back the blue, but I, I personally can't stand when a police officer, either advertently or inadvertently, abuses their power. And I mean as, yeah. hey, where are you going? Where are you coming from? Why, you know? So, in reality, a police officer is supposed to have probable cause to stop you for a traffic violation, right? Or you're walking along the street and they want you to identify yourself. No, that's not constitutional. You have no right to do that. Unless you anticipate or expect me committing a crime, you're violating my rights as an American citizen. And I don't have to prove anything to you. It's you, the accuser, that the burden lies upon. And that's one of the things I really, I, I know, again, it's another hot button issue, but you know, I, I just wish people would understand more. Do it respectively, right? But it's okay to push back on a cop. If you get arrested or whatever like that, you deal with it after the fact. Because there's time and time again, you can note that there's tons of, of lawsuits and cities losing money because a, a cop just violates your rights. So it's been, I don't know, geez, I'll be honest, I'm going to be 50 in January. It's been a good 30 years I've been involved in this constitutional mindset where it's one of the things that I think about anytime a law is passed or a major piece of legislation is proposed I think about how constitutional it is yeah and you're really um, I, I that's something that I really liked uh, about following you too and seeing because you you really are involved in, in all the different levels and you you pick things apart but what I do like about um, something that I saw that you were talking about was that 
you were talking about recently that, you know, the Democrats and Republicans, all of them got to go. They need to be replaced and there needs to be term limits. And yes. I really like that because I think that there's so much abuse in our government on all levels. And you have Pelosi and McConnell and all these people who are just outdated and they're just they're stuck in their ways. Yeah. So, how do you how do you think that you can do that? Because there is so much divide. And I see someone had said to me recently, they're like, um, they're like, Lori, everyone is stuck in their ways on certain things and they're not going to change them. I'm thinking about what made me do it, but I'm like, how do we get people to change so that they can say we want this change? How do you well, think that, of that? That's that's an awesome question. I, I know how it can be done, and I, I don't know how many of the listeners understand it. And this goes back to how your government is structured to work. Uh, but one of the things, you know, I think about you and how you explained how you've evolved. I don't want to say you changed or you're red pilled because you you were on your own person, your own journey, but you were open minded enough to maybe question something and dig into it a little bit more, you know, like, is this really fact? Is it not? Is it hyperbole? Is it just rumor? So I think a lot more people need to do that and remain objective to what they're hearing, right? Being subjective is super easy. You listen to a news source, you read a particular media outlet, and, and it just, it feels good because your beliefs align with it and Everything that you're reading and hearing is right because that's what you agree with. But it's the challenging of yourself to grow and listening to the opposing opinion, not arguing, listening, researching what's actually fact, what's not. My point for the change in Congress is what you said. There are a lot of personal abuses and there are a lot of political abuses. But again, it goes back to my education. For the last 30 years I've been following politics, I've seen what I call the political footballs being batted back and forth and how many of the major issues in our nation we're still facing today because the government doesn't want it fixed. I mean, if they fixed them, there would be nothing to argue about, right? Nothing to use to fear monger and intimidate and scare and influence and everything. You look at securing the border. I remember very, I was still very young, but Ronald Reagan talking about securing the border and every single administration that came up through after that always talked about securing the border. Democrat, Republican, whatever. Nobody ever did it until the last administration and everybody flipped out. And I'm like, well, this needs to happen because, right, we're a country of laws. A sovereign nation has borders and the borders have to be protected. Same thing with immigration reform. I believe we need to make the immigration process more streamlined. Maybe take some resources from Border Patrol and the Department of Homeland Security and invest in courts to process migrant applications and asylum seekers. But we're not doing that because if it was fixed, there would be no politicking to be, be done. Um, yeah. And this is how we get it done. So I don't know if you're aware of it, but you know, maybe you don't, there are two ways to amend the Constitution through Congressional Act and through we the people. So there is this thing called the Convention of States. You can look it up online and you can get involved because every state has a chapter. And if there are 35 states out of the current 50 states in the United States that get their state legislators to agree to a specific bill that they want to present, the states have the power to amend the Constitution 
without any congressional authority. And that's where the real power of the people come into play. And I, again, I just don't know if people aren't educated. They think, well, you can't fight the government. It is what it is. The people in power, that's what they're there for. We can't do anything about it. Or they don't want to participate, you know? And that's, I didn't have a tough time waking up early on a Sunday morning to get my ass down to that park in the cold of winter to get my voice, you know, seen and heard and shown because I knew it was important to me. It was important to you. It's important to my kids. And I knew what power I, as a citizen of the country, have. So that's what I did. You got to get involved. You got to be whatever you want to call it, brave, courageous, ignorant. I don't know what you call it, but you have to get involved beyond November elections, right? It takes action. It takes effort. It takes correspondence. It takes calls to your congressional representation. You don't let up because you have to remember they work for us, not the other way around. Yep. And I love that you do that. And actually, I've been so busy lately because I've been, you know, researching all the things for the elections and doing all this type of stuff for things that are important. And I something that drives me nuts is you'll see people online and, you know, they'll be congratulating other people who are doing stuff or whatever. And I'm like, nothing's going to change if you just sit on in your keyboard warrior, get out and do stuff, get involved in your communities, know what's going on. And I think that that's what's lacking. That's correct. It's one thing to support an effort from Facebook and you're hitting a like button. It's completely different if you're able to get dressed, bundle up and get out there for two hours. You know, at that point in time, that's all we asked was two hours. Just come out and stand with us. We had a good time. We had people, Lori, strangers dropping hot chocolate and coffee and muffin and donuts and people like you swinging by wanting, I've seen you out here. What's it all about? Blah, blah, blah have people walk up and say, I don't agree with the message. Why are you guys out here? And they would sit and engage with us. 25, 30 minute conversations. Mm -hmm. Again, all respectful, no shouting, no screaming. Anybody who took the time to engage with us, it was always, to me, a meaningful interaction, you know? So yeah, you got to get involved. That's important. Yeah. And it is important because I think that when you get out there and you have conversations with people too, it opens up people's minds because, you know, that's happened to me with people. They're like, oh, you know, I used to be like, I don't want to say anything because I don't want people to be mad. And, you know, people stop talking to me. People stop being my friend. People stop, you know, it, it was created so much friction. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be silent because other people, I'm making other people uncomfortable. And that's where people got to get out of their shell and make other people uncomfortable. A- absolutely. And you can't be afraid to... I mean, embarrass yourself. You think about the importance of this thing, and then you think about, um, you know, colonial times. And I always, I, I would bring this up when we were in the park. People say, well, why are you doing it? da 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 and this and that and everything else. I said, well, that's what a lot of the farmers said, right? A little Farmers' wives, the guys, you know, and I, I don't want to be sexist, but it was the guys who started it all. Why are you doing this? We have this. What if we lose it all? And like, well, that's why I'm doing it, because I don't want to lose it all, you know? And I think that that's an important piece for everybody to remember, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it seems kind of like common sense and rational thought is like missing in in this world. And I, I, why do you think that is? Is I think that, um, I, I think it is. I think that a lot of people, 
I don't necessarily know if they enjoy the emotion. I mean, because I get that endorphin high when I get to preaching on my soapbox, you know. Um, and uh, sometimes I don't know, like I said earlier, I don't know if people are able to look at themselves in the mirror and realize that they were wrong or that they're uninformed. A lot of different issues. You know, I think that one of the things for personal growth for me, I've been married almost 26 years now, is that I'm not always right. And acknowledging that as a much younger person was very difficult for me. And now I've, it, it, it's a point, and I, I'm thankful where I have friends who challenge my thoughts and my positions and encourage me to think. And again, I, I don't spout off. I'm like, well, maybe he's right. What does he mean by that? Let me go look and da 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 da, you know? And I, I research, and I think a lot of people, it's just easier for them. Like I said, you get into a groove with a political opinion or a news outlet, and you don't want to change your opinion. You certainly don't want to admit for the last two years with this COVID mess that you were lied to, you know? We can go on and on yep. about the FBI and the FISA warrants and the Trump presidency and all of these things. And it's just there's so much information there. I don't understand how people can continue to gobble up the BS that is shoveled to them on a daily basis from outlets who oppose a political candidate. It's just it's crazy to me because there's so much more on the line than a party, you know? Mm hmm. It can't be about a team jersey. <laughs> no, it, it can't. And that's something that I like. Uh, I do like about you because you do. And I'm the same way. I'm kind of like in the middle. I want to look at both sides. I want to understand what's going on. I want to, you know, make my an informed decision. But lately what I, I'm seeing too is when I'm when I am putting a little bit of news on is that everything's either extreme left or extreme right. And I'm like, wh where's the middle people? And then like even... You know, they just had the Italian prime minister that um, the lady yeah. got voted in. And and all I'm seeing is, oh, she's an extreme far right. You know, like they're they're right. because she's talking about like normal things that all the rest of us are questioning. And I'm like, when did it become extreme? Uh, I think it's the erosion of what we deem to be normal, like you said, from liberalism. I mean, it's that's exactly what it's I mean. To me, uh, you're probably much younger than I am. I'm going to be 50. But to me, allowing a 15-year-old girl to go to the hospital to have a voluntary hysterectomy because she doesn't feel comfortable in her body. I mean, to be honest, Lori, what 15-year-old girl does? And yeah, I think no it's a tough thing as a parent to parent your child and oppose what they feel, you're not going to coddle them, but you're not going to destroy them verbally and make them feel like crap. It's a balancing act. You've got to parent your kid. And the people that don't, I read an article yesterday where there is a 22 or 23-year-old young person who transitioned and is now emotionally damaged and suicidal because she doesn't understand, now at 22, why her parents let her transition. And when she's looking back into her transition, everything about it was disruptive to her psychologically. Her voice changed. She started to grow facial hair. Her features started to change. And she didn't mentally understand it by looking at the physical being. And I think that that's hugely important 
You know, you've got to let a kid be a kid and a young person be a young person, but not to the point where they're going to totally ruin their life, right? Because in yeah. 10 years, they may sit back and say, oh, my God, thank you for not letting me do that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, be well, and I think that that's one of the problems in the world right now is that we have, you know, parents trying to let their kids be, you know, their grownups. And you even see that in very young kids. And I'm like, no, parents seem to parent their children. And this actually leads into a question that I was going to ask you towards the end, but I'll ask it now since it came up. Um, how do, like, is getting the parents involved with, with the kids, how do we shape the kids so that what is going on in our world right now will not happen for future generations? Because I can see, for me, I see, like, a lot of older people and they're, you know, they're they're out like you are doing doing that stuff. And, yeah. you know, like... I'm, I'm in my mid thirties. And so you see some, not a whole lot. And then the young kids, I don't see on that kind of, they're kind of like, Oh, you're selfish and you're this. So how do we get these kids involved so that they completely understand this? Does it start with home and how do we build on that? That's awesome. It, it certainly does start from home. I think that parents being involved in their kids' education is critical. Um, I will applaud my wife until the end of days basically dragging our kids through the public school system and ensuring they got their high school diploma. I told both of my kids, you guys can do whatever you want, be whatever you want after you're 18. But to me, the most critical thing you do is graduate high school because some people will say a GED is equivalent. And I know that that's exactly what it stands for, but honestly, it's not. I, I know that probably sounds horrible, but when you're at a job application, if you can't properly fill one out, read it, write, spell properly, pronunciation, or, or uh, uh, what do you call it there? Uh, you know what I'm talking about. So I don't yeah. think that a parent can be disengaged from their kid's education. I think it's critical that they're involved and make sure that they get through. It's not just the teacher's responsibility, and I can't stand parents that believe that. Uh, the other thing that I think parents need to do is challenge their kids. I had many conversations with both my son and my daughter and now with my niece, when they make a statement about something, I kind of get a gut feeling as to where it's coming from. But then I challenge, why do you think that? What makes you think that? What information do you have that indicates that that's a fact? And I don't do it like a jerk, but I always say you should go, research it before you make a statement like that because you sound pretty convicted what makes you think that and mm -hmm. my son is 24 my daughter is 19 they are both very very good free thinkers in regards to politics um they didn't like some of the things donald trump did they don't like a lot of things biden did i don't influence them i don't tell them how to think i don't tell my niece how to think and i just think that that's one of the important things is that is, is as a parent, if you can't challenge yourself, you can't challenge your kids. So you're just going to breed exactly what you live. And that's not healthy for anybody. I don't think so. No, you know? it's, it's not. And, and yeah, like, see, I always was like, oh, I'm just going to vote Democratic because that's all I've known my whole life, you know. And and I didn't even, you know, I would see the other thing and I'd be like, no. And so you know, this, these last couple of years were really, I was like, wait, because a lot of the things when, when you hear like, and I'm not, I'm not tearing apart, like, 
putting people down, but you know, they'll say, oh, it's the Republicans and they hate like, they hate poor people and they hate this and they hate the, you know, like, and, I, and as I'm doing research, I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. This isn't, this isn't true. And yeah, so I've really gotten into that. So I love that you do that challenging because that's important. It's, it's hugely important. I do listen to a lot of, uh, you know, you probably listen to Ben Shapiro. I've heard people and he always talks about facts over feelings and a lot of people do emote. Uh, uh, you know, emotion. It, it's tough to be. It's tough to be logical when you're passionate about a pro, a subject, right? And if you can be logical about something that you know is wrong, and you believe it, and you're like, no, that's really kind of wrong, and I should change my thought process. You should be able to do the same things that you know when you're looking at opposing views. And uh, what I I found uh, Thomas Sowell. I don't know if you you know who he is. He is a a black professor, very conservative, very 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 bright. He's been around for a long time. And there's a clip of a speech he made, and it, this one little phrase kind of stuck out to me, and it sticks into my head, and it's really kind of like what he sees as the difference between Democrats and Republicans, uh, and it kind of goes to what you said, that you know Republicans hate poor people. Democrats think that everybody is inherently good, and the systems that are in place are broken. He said Republicans believe that the systems are effective. It's just people make different choices. We could say good choices, poor choices, anything like that. Um, an example, a little bit of my background. My parents were divorced when I was seven years old. My mom, my two sisters, an older sister and a younger sister, ended up in public housing in Nashua. I am a publicly educated individual. And that's it. And I... Lori, I was a C and D student. I mean, again, my mom had to drag me across that finish line. After that, two weeks before I graduated high school, my mother told me that she was going to pack up and move to California to follow a relationship. And I wasn't coming with her. And I had to figure it out. Well, I'll tell you what, as a 18 year old kid who was pretty much, you know, led along the way, trying to figure it out, scared the shit out of me. I didn't know what I was going to do. And believe it or not, September of 91, the year I graduated high school, I ended up at the Home Depot and I started in the lot. Right. And I just, after a few short years, I realized that there was opportunity for me. And maybe when I was 23, I needed to grow up a little bit more. So I started to take things seriously, but I had to learn through, you know, through trial by fire, how to manage a checkbook how to budget my income, how to make sure everything could get paid for. I didn't have anybody hand it to me, nor did I ever look to have anybody hand it to me. I figured it was my responsibility to do it. So I had to teach myself. And that same opportunity, I think, exists everywhere. And if you make the right choices, you can be successful. If you don't make mm -hmm. the right choices, you're not going to be successful. I have a very tough time yeah. believing in this day and age with the amount of opportunity given to everybody that people can't be successful. And I mean, that's up for definition, but I see successful as you have a secure job and an income, you have a roof over your head, you have food in the fridge and you don't have any trouble with the law, like a bare minimum existence. Right. And I, I just, you, you, whether you call it margin, marginalized black communities, poor white trash redneck communities you see 
in the history of those thought processes that the cycle continues to repeat itself because even though we bring in resources, financial resources, there's nothing that really changes because people don't look to hold themselves accountable. They always look to blame somebody else. Yep. Yeah. You know? And, you know, um, I, when I grew up, like my, my dad worked really, really hard. He always worked multiple jobs and things like that. But, you know, um, I did grow up poor. And, and so I used to, as I got a little bit older, I started to feel entitled and I'm like, people should be helping. Like, and, you know, and I got in that kind of entitled <laughs> mindset. And, and then as I got a little bit older, I'm like, wait, hold on. I'm making the choice to feel like I need other people to take care of me when I can take care of myself. And I'm Correct. like, I watched my, I'm, I'm like, wait, hold on. Dad works his whole life. He worked three and four jobs and he never got help. And I'm like, I need to do that. And so I got that work ethic from my dad. And you know what? I'll work multiple jobs. I will take care of myself. And I don't like you. Success for me is very minimal, but I think a lot of people view success as tons of money, big homes, all these material items. And that I think is one of the biggest problems with the world right now, because nobody wants to work for things. And everyone just looks at as success as material items instead of looking at it going, wait, hold on, look at everything that we have around us. That's really worth yeah. stuff. Right. Right. And that, I mean, that just goes into, uh, I mean, the argument of look at successful, whether it be financially fame, whatever you want to look at it, there are successful minorities and not successful minorities. There are successful white people and there are not so successful white people. I'm not going to say that there, yes, there are some times where people come from money and there's some advantages there. Of course there are. Right. But I never had, I never had anybody tell me you're not going to make it. You're going to be poor. You don't know what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. You're going to struggle. I never had anybody tell me that. And this is when, I mean, I'm talking about powdered milk, government cheese, government peanut butter. Yep. I mean, that's where we were when we ended up in public housing. My mom had to figure things out and she struggled. I know she struggled because I look back and I understand what the income level was and what the budget level was. And I always think, holy shit, how did she do that? How did she do it? Yep. We never were homeless. We never missed a meal. She would sacrifice for her kids. And I think as a parent, when you choose to bring a kid into the world, that's what you do. And you hope that the next generation does a little bit better than you. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's important. I, I, I'm blessed that my both of my kids have great work ethics. Um, you know, obviously, the money management skill comes with time. I wish they were a little bit better than that. But I don't fear for my kids' future. I think that they're going to be just fine, you know. Yeah. What we yeah, always absolutely. said, we always said just to be a contributing member to society, i.e. have a job, pay taxes and don't get in trouble with the law. Right. I mean, everybody's mm -hmm. going to break the law a little bit, but, you know, don't be an asshole. Don't get like, come on. There's a way to avoid it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And you actually just touched on something when you were talking about like, you know, uh, growing up with the money and how it was tough and things like that. And I, I do want to talk about a little bit because I know it's something that you've talked about now, um, inflation and the rising gas mm -hmm. prices and the heating bills, electric bills. Um, and, uh, you know, like it is a real struggle now. And I think the government has really I mean, you see the excess 
um, spending bills and sending all this money over to Ukraine, billions and billions of dollars. And then, you know, when they sent out their stimulus checks, you know, that was a small little piece of all this greed that they did. And now it's really affecting people. You know, yeah. the, the electric bills are, you know, five, six hundred dollars a month. And, you know, it's almost yeah. hard to live now. Yeah. Yeah, I and we all kind of saw it when it was happening, right? I mean, I, I think that you might have been thinking, how are we going to pay for this? And we being the American taxpayer, right? How is this being paid for? And it's always, you know, the government writing a check that we have to cash, and that's a burden, and it's going to be a burden on my kids and their kids and their kids' kids. Um, obviously, we know that inflation is created by government spending. That's the only place it comes from. Uh, this goes back to the term limits in Congress and how things are run. You know, one of the uh, things I I love about the idea of term limits is that it breeds um, new ideas. It breeds compromise. And I think that we would be able to get real legislation done. If people that want to serve in the government understand that they've got a limited time to make things happen, they have to compromise. Right. If you know you can get in there and then once you're in, all you have to do is focus on winning the next election. It doesn't do anybody any good. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because I am a very conservative individual. I guess maybe I'm socially a little bit liberal. I'm not certainly a hardcore Republican as far as pro-choice and things like that. Um, But I personally am concerned about people here in the Northeast in New England and how they're going to. I'm, I'm questioning myself, not for me. I, I'm wondering how people are going to survive to heat their homes. I, I, I know that lower income people are going to struggle and they have struggled and there's government programs. But this is where the middle class is kind of left in the dark and it goes back to the ACA. You're either unfortunate to be poor enough to qualify for everything or you make just a little bit too much to qualify for nothing, right? And there's no there's no adjustment or standardized scale or anything for that. And I, I was talking to a customer of mine today, and I said, you know, what are you going to do? You heat with oil. And he says, what can I do? I'm going to have to pay for it. I'm like, what do you think that's going to cost you? And he said eleven to $1,200 every six weeks or so. And I, I'm just like, how is that? How is that attainable? That's that's money that's not accounted for. Where does that income from? Is are people going to put themselves in debt to survive? And um, put it on credit cards. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it scares me. It's it really does scare me because there are so many things in our government that are preventable. It's just the level of bureaucracy that gets in the way. I mean, you look at the VA program, again, it goes back to for decades, we've had these same issues and it never gets fixed because of politics and all the red tape. And there's not a single government program that is run effectively to where everybody gets what they need. And I'm all about a helping hand. I'm ready to give somebody a hand up. I don't want to continue to give you a hand out. Stand up on your own. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I don't know, groceries... I, I'm just, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, you hear about the stories about meat producers, and this is the kind of minutia that the media doesn't put out in front of you every day. 
you know, like the Nord Stream pipeline explosions the other day. And nobody's reading the back page of the news to find out what the real crap is that is going to smack you in the face in the next two or three months if you're not really paying attention. And I, I don't I don't know well, what's going to happen. I, I think it's going to be tough. Yeah, I think so, too. And I, you know, um, it, it was just like this past, I think it was this past weekend when the second largest food distri- uh, dis- distributor in, I think it's in uh, Paris or France or something. Oh, they went up in flames. And you're starting to see this. There's That's been, the like, fifth mass one. Chicken sl- yep, fifth one in, in, the, in 12 months. In, yep. Yeah. In, the, in the farms, the farmlands burning. And, you know, so I actually was going to ask you about this. Um, what do you think is going to come? Because we can, you can already see if anyone's really paying attention, like you said, the stock yeah. markets are starting to go down and that's, I'm, I'm just, I, we're already in a recession yeah. um, and it's only going to get, I feel like it's going to get worse. What do you feel on that? Like, and how do you prepare for what, what is coming? That's uh, that's a great question. So again, it goes back to the conspiracy theorists. I'm a quasi prepper, right? I think about it. I don't actively live it every single day, but I won't lie. I have food stores. I have dried goods. I have canned goods. I have meats packed in a freezer. And to be honest with you, not to scare anybody listening, I have a ton of ammunition because I don't, you know, people that get desperate do desperate things. And I don't want anybody busting into my home to get what I have because I've worked for it. I mean, I will gladly help. But if it were to be, you know, your life or mine, you're on the wrong end of that argument, you know. Um, and I I don't, I mean, I see the rising costs of meats, chicken and, and beef. And I'm thinking about Thanksgiving and they're talking about turkey at seven dollars a pound and i mean christmas and and that's the sad thing is a lot of people cyclically don't think about things like that until it's time right so nobody's thinking about what they're going to do if they want to celebrate thanksgiving and how they're going to afford it now they'll think about it come beginning of november and maybe they've already had to fill their oil tank twice I don't know, maybe once, maybe they topped off before the cold weather gets here. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm really worried. And the meat processing thing, again, that has been happening. There have been four major food processing plants in this country alone that have burst into flames. I mean, so unfortunately, it's always the same MO. I don't want to say it's by intent, but again, I can't rule it out, you know, because mm-hmm. unfortunately... I think there are some nefarious plans in the world, you know, and we'll go back to the pandemic. I think that you're right. It was a pressure test to see how much they could get away with, how much compliance they would have. And um, I mean, it sickens me to say it, but God forbid there's something in this vaccine that prevents young people when they become of age, not able to reproduce. Right. I know that there are a lot of globalists or people of that ilk that think that the only way to save the planet is to reduce the population. Well, you're not going to get people to voluntarily stop reproducing. You know, it's not communist China where you've got a one kid limit. So I I think that, again, my gut says. In 15 years, do we find out that, oh, my God, there was something wrong and now it affects young women or young men and they're unable to reproduce. 
It's 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 crazy to think, but it's in my head. It's in the back of my you head. Know, it's not the forefront. But it's in the back of my head. It's plausible. No, no, and I think I, I, yeah, I think a lot of people have thought like that. You know, and you were you know talking about, um, you know, I, I kind of was like, why is this being pushed? Why is this being forced? And you know, I could see like there's always one more coming, one more coming with with, with the vaccines. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah. Like I, I'm not someone who's anti-vax. I'll tell you that right now. Like. Um, but I'm someone who didn't take, you know, I tried the flu shot once or twice and it always made me sick. So I was like, nope. And then when this came out, I said, nope, not doing it. And, yeah. but there was just this push and it was a really ugly, like I, it, it was this ugliness that I saw. And, you know, you were talking about, you know, how are people going to make it and, you know, with everything that's going on and watching what's happening in the world. And I think that. You know, I do think that, you know, and they've talked about it. You've seen Trudeau, you've seen Biden, all of them talk about food shortages coming and all this stuff. And I've thought about all of that because, you know, you look at when we were talking about, you were talking about the, the heating bills, Scott, yeah. the electric bills here. I mean, I don't know about everywhere else in the country, but New Hampshire, my average electric bill used to be $180. And that was in the high of summer with, with ACs running. My yeah. last bill was $565. That's insane. So, I look at that. That is insane. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, how, like, for me, I'm like, okay, I got to work more. You know what I mean? But I look at that and go, how can families afford $600 electric bills to buy? You go to the grocery store. You want to get a cart full of groceries? You better have $400 because the the food's out of out of control. And, yeah. you know, like I have my seed growing things and all that, you know, like I, I've, you know, cause I'm very into the health, the eating healthy and things. So I think that, you know, I've, you've seen people basically telling you, Hey, be careful. This is coming. This is coming. Yeah. But I think a lot of people look at it and they're like, Oh, you're a bunch of conspiracy theorists. And I, I'm not saying it, it might not happen, but you know what? Like they're basically telling you and you saw it with the, with this COVID and the push. And I do think it was a way for, you know, let, let's test the boundaries. Let's see how much we can get away with. And, and let's see, you know, I never understood like the, people losing their jobs for the, the vaccine and things, because I'm like, this didn't happen yeah. to all kinds of other things, you know, right. so why push, why push like this? And well, that's some bigger plans. No, exactly. Right. I mean, the, the whole COVID thing, you know, back to one of our first talking points about pro-choice and this and that. I mean, I, I heard so many people that were pro-vax and pro-shutdown say, well, you have a choice to work there or not. I'm like, that's not really a choice. It's an ultimatum. Like, do this or you're not going to have a job. That's not really right. And again, it goes back to the energy. If you flip the script, and can you imagine on a job interview, if somebody asked a, a female, a woman, have you ever had an abortion? And if they said yes, okay, well, you can't work here. I mean, come on. Come on. That's ridiculous. Um, yep. And the, the history and the science that exists now, I mean, we weren't conspiracy theorists. We were actually right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the plausibility of it all. I, I mean, I'm not one to trust the government ever. And again, it just goes back to my own learnings. And, you know, you think about it, any uh, historically, any government that has too much power gets drunk on the power. And they try to take more and more. And it doesn't ever end well, either for the citizens and or the government. Um, you know, and uh, I just want to do plug that everybody says, oh, my God, insurrectionists and this and that. And I'm like, well, that was kind of the intent. The Second Amendment, there's intent there. And uh, I don't know if you're aware, but in the Declaration of Independence, there's actually instructions 
for the American citizens. So when the government is no longer serving, it is the job of the people essentially to strip it down and institute a new government. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm scared that that's one of those things that is maybe not too far off. You know, it's plausible. Is it probable? I don't know in my lifetime, but I look at the history of the world and we're such a young country compared to everywhere else. And um, I don't know what's going to happen. I think they're going to have a lot of desperate people strapped to make ends meet. Um, you know, we've got the holidays coming in just this morning. They were talking about big corporations holding off on hiring seasonal workers because they don't know. There's so much uncertainty in the retail market with consumer goods and services that they're kind of hedging as to what they should and shouldn't do. And that's obviously going to create chaos too, you know, um, with the yeah. availability of things and shopping and, you know, unfortunately, I think crime's going to go up. It just because out of desperation, people do seriously desperate things. Scary. Yeah. And, you know, like with the last recession, I remember when people started losing all their savings and all those things, you know, you saw a lot of people committing suicide. And uh, yeah. I look at the situation now and I'm like, this to me feels even worse because everything is way more like, yeah, you'll get a raise, but it, it's not your raise is not what the inflation is and in people are not already, anything like, close when went, yeah when i went um camping this summer there was families who couldn't afford to pay rent anymore so they were taking the summer and the kids thought it was a fun summer vacation at the campsite and they're like we're yeah. gonna figure out what we're gonna do come fall and that's right. sad when you like our government and and this is where i you know I'm all for people coming in, like, you know, um, you know, to the country legally doing all that, but we're not even taking care of our own people. Like we have veterans and everything that are sitting on the streets. And I think we need to take care of some of our own people first and, and then, you know, bring people in. Certainly, absolutely. That the country's founded on immigrants and things, but you know, like, let's take care of the people that we have here because there's so many without. And this is where some of the critical thinking about the, some of the decisions you make at the voting booth makes sense. You know, you, like you said, you know, vote blue no matter who, vote red until you're dead and stuff like that. That's ridiculous, right? Because there yeah. there are good policies or good thoughts on both sides. And, uh, you know, the thing that kills me is like the Inflation Reduction Act. How many years have we heard folks like Bernie Sanders and stuff talk about rich people paying their fair share? Okay. Let me lay some facts on you, Lori. When Trump came into office, he passed tax cuts, doubled the child care tax credit for every American, and capped state and local tax deductions for your federal return at $10,000. I don't know if you're aware of that, so really quick. When you file a Schedule C, you take deductions, right, as a homeowner and lots of business owners and things like that, you're able to deduct your state and local taxes from your federal return, right? So that's like double taxation. So that was beneficial to anybody on the back side or the, or the, I should say the front side of interest rates and things like that, because they get to maximize those deductions and minimize their federal tax debt, which is a good thing. When the Democrats just passed this uh, Inflation Reduction Act, they lifted that cap from $10,000 to $75,000. Now, I'm a homeowner, and I know for a fact that doesn't benefit me. 
I would have to own a house yeah. four or five times its value for that to benefit me. So I know in my head mm -hmm. who that benefits, but nobody's looking at the minutia of the bill. They just look at the title of the bill. And that's the scary thing. That's where people are not educating themselves. And when I say ignorant, it means you don't know. You don't know the facts, so you're ignorant to it. And that's the scary thing is they're, they're ruling by emotion and not understanding that you, all of you Democrats who are all about having rich people pay their fair share, you just got duped. And there are way more middle class like you and me than there are the wealthiest, right? So they can tax those people more. They're not going to feel it. But when the shortfall, the deficits start to grow, and how do we pay for these things? And I'm not talking about entitlements, Social Security and the Medicare. You pay into those things. As you're employed, you pay into those things. So when you get a return, it's not an entitlement. You paid into it, right? Not contributing to anything, that's an entitlement. But when the gap starts to grow and we don't have the ability to pay for things because we haven't budgeted, where do you think that shortfall is coming from? It's not coming from the wealthy people that are making massive political donations. It's not coming from the people who don't make much. It's coming from us, right? And that's just not right. And everybody, not everybody, most people that agree with that bill don't see that piece of it. And that's what creates the giant federal mess. Giant. I wish the federal government would go away. The only thing they should do is secure the border and keep its people safe. That's all they should be involved in. Yep. And I know that you're big on, and you've said it a couple of times too, um, you know, when you've talked about abortion and you have said though, you know, it's really important to vote for more than just one thing. And that is yeah. something that is very, very important. You know, I understand that women's rights is a, is a big issue. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm this, I feel the same way you do on that. I understand that, but I also understand that, um, you know, even, even our local politicians looking at some of them that I've always voted for when I'm like, Oh, I'll just keep it right down here with Democrats, you know? And I'm Correct. like, you are hurting me. And I'm at the point like where I'm like, okay, you know, cause I do work two jobs and I'm yeah. like, I'm struggling to make it now with those two jobs and you're, you're, you're benefiting off this. No. And I've never felt that before until the last couple, you know, little bit. And I'm like, wait, so there's so much more, like you said, with, with this inflation, with the, uh, you know, the energy costs, with, with the, um, uh, the, the borders with, with all this stuff. And I think everyone's focusing on one thing and going this is here but they're not looking at it going wait because i've talked to other people like you said in the middle class and they're like i'm really starting to, it's starting to hit me hard yeah so that is important and, and you know laurie it's not selfish to think about yourself and determine what is in your best self-interest right i think that a mm -hmm. lot of the liberals would take the position about oh my god you but you also have to think whether you're a single person like yourself working two jobs or if you're married and you have a family and have other people dependent upon you, you you don't vote for a jersey. You don't, right? It's it's not I'm not voting blue or I'm voting red. I need to think about policy, not the person. And that's my big thing. And I, I have said this summer and I have said recently, you know what? I'm OK if Donald Trump doesn't run again, because mm -hmm. in my opinion, I'm thinking about what's best for the country. 
that man is political napalm, right? He will tear this country further apart than it is right now. And that's not good. So I'm okay. If he runs, I don't know if I can vote for him again because I know what's going to happen. I would love for somebody a little bit more toned down, but have the policy, the mindset of the America first policies. I, I can't think of a single domestic policy that he passed or pushed for that was bad for the country. When you think about it, you think about the unemployment rates for minorities. You think about the historic funding for historically black colleges. You think about minority businesses. I remember just before the pandemic started, there was a summit at the White House for Latino-owned businesses. And again, something the media is not going to cover. And there were so many small business owners there appreciative of the efforts of the president to repeal some of the regulations that allowed their businesses to thrive, that they were experiencing double-digit comp growth, 20-30% growth. They were looking at growing different locations, additional locations, hiring more staff, all of those things. Basically, he peeled the government stopping blocks out of the way and they let their people do the thing, and they thrived. And that's what this country is all about, right? It's not equity it's equality and equality is when you have the same opportunity some people will make the best of it some people will not by choice you can't legislate equity you can't legislate what's right and what's wrong it's up to the individual and the government needs to step out of the way you know yeah Yep. And you were, there's something that you had shared on Facebook that kind of uh, talks about that. Like, um, I can't remember the, the gentleman's name. It was a politician and he was talking about, um, uh, socialism and capitalism. And, you know, he was talking about, you know, with, with the U S in regards to that. And he was like, you know, you don't see any, anyone else in other countries escaping or trying to stay in those countries with right. socialism. They're trying to escape right. that to come here, you right. know? And, and I was like, I was like, this is, you know, like there is so much opportunity in the U S and, and people Huge. I think take for granted, like they really take for granted how, how much freedom we have and how important it is. So I love, I've actually learned a lot from you today and I've learned a lot following you. Um, and I think it is so important that we get out there and don't just sit on and be a keyboard hero and look to other people to, to yeah. save what we have, get out there and, and do that yourself right. and make that difference. Certainly vote, certainly challenge yourself, challenge your beliefs, read legislation, not just the title of the bill, because you know, a lot of the titles will make it sound pretty and great and this and that. But when you get into the text of it, it's really horrible, you know, and it's bad. It's bad policy. And you got to remember, you can't vote for a team. You got to vote for the country. And that's what it's all about. Yep, absolutely. It's not, not a sport. You don't have to be loyal to it. So That's it. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on, Scott. I'm so appreciative of you doing this. And Lori, this was awesome. I know that you are starting your own podcast soon. We Can are. I, uh, tell everyone a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, my friend and I, one of the, the protesters, I guess, if you will, the Freedom Ralliers, uh, Chris, we're starting our own podcast. We're going to call it Two Guys Real Talk, Meet in the Middle. And, uh, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to look to find not necessarily people with severe opposing opinions, but try to understand and kind of find where there's common ground. 
uh, between conservatives and liberals. And like it goes back to, you know, we got to do the right thing for the country. We can't just always vote this one side. We can't always vote that one side. Uh, like I've said always, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't always have the right idea. I'm not always right. And if somebody can convince me with an intelligent, intelligent uh, informed argument, that's what we want to do. And I'm very interested. I know that you said you'd be a guest because I, I want to talk about your evolution um, from where you were as a girl growing up to where you are now and some of those things that triggered it. And uh, I'm, I'm super excited. We actually do have some potential uh, big-time TikTokers too, uh, social, social influencers, which is awesome. And we're also trying to get uh, General Don Bolduc, who's running for Senate. We've had a couple conversations with him directly. So that will be exciting awesome. if we can get him. Yeah. Yep. So, I'm yeah, I mean, just looking forward to it. Yeah. Keep educating yourself. Keep challenging yourself and challenge your politicians. You know, again, they're elected representatives to serve you, not the other way around. Absolutely. Thanks, Scott. Thank you so much for being Thanks, here. Thanks, Lori. You're awesome. Thank you. Have a great one.